Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Right now it's time for my dear friend, Dr. History. And uh, without further ado, boy, by the time we used all the chairs in the house for your entourage, we're, we're limited right now. I know. Some of them had to stay outside. Yeah, right. <laughs> They're still sweeping the driveway. <laughs> well, Zeb, I've got to brag about myself. Uh, I've, been, I've been invited to be yeah. one of 25 speakers for the uh, a thing called the History Camp America 2021. And uh, this is going to be broadcast online on July 10th. And you can go to History Camp America 2021 to register. And there will be 25 speakers, including myself, that will be presenting uh, different topics on history. So, folks, if you find yourself on July 10th with nothing to do... Uh, tune in and i think it'll be very very interesting let me ask you this uh how did you pick if you haven't already the stories that you're going to put on you know i went through uh, all the stories a lot of the stories that i've done here on the show and i just picked out some of my favorites that i decided so there's can you about... give us a clue no oh, okay. <laughs> i can't remember <laughs> But there's some good ones. Oh, I did. I talked about Black Jack Ketchum. I talked about the Alamo Creek Massacre. I talked about uh, uh, some other things. So this is going to be online. Right. Okay. So all pe- tell people how they can listen. Go to History Camp America 2021. Just okay. type it into your Google, and you should be able to go right to their web page, and you should be able to register and be able to... Uh, uh, be able to tune in on, and you'll be able to listen to all 25 of those even after July 10th. No, that's a Saturday, isn't it? Right, okay. right. All yeah. right. So on that day, uh, there'll be five hours, and I will be in one of those hours, uh, and you can choose between five of us, uh, but later you can go back and listen to the others I see. as well. This so, is quite an honor. It really is. I They found me from my podcast. And I, I really, yeah. So it's kind of exciting. Well, congratulations to you're going to have a hat size bigger than this room pretty quick. <laughs> uh, that's true. Do you have any thank yous today? I do. I, you know, Jeff, as <laughs> a longtime listener, he suggested a long time ago I do a story on the Whitmans, and I did it last week, and he finally said, "Well, thank you. You finally got around to my story." <laughs> And Eric, he is a guide at, or has been a guide at Sutter's Mill, and he really? has sent me a lot of really good information. So I appreciate Eric. So we're going to kind of continue a theme. We've been going along. We started out with the Snake River Plain, the Oregon Trail, the yeah. California Trail. Yeah. We went last week with the Whitmans, and now I'm going to go with the Spaldings. Now that was the other family, right? And they went. One went one way, and one went the other. Exactly. Once, right. Once they got up to the Boise. And the Whitmans, they met their demise, didn't they? Exactly, they did. So in 1836, Henry and Eliza Spaulding accompanied Marcus and Narcissa Whitman over the Rocky Mountains to open missions in the Pacific Northwest. Now, the Whitmans selected a spot near Walla Walla, uh, near the river there. The Spaldings went farther east and a little further north to settle among the Nez Perce. It's kind of uh, a little south of uh, of present-day Moscow. So uh, they selected a spot approximately two miles up the Lapway Creek, and they built a crude structure in November of 1836. Now, after reaching the Columbia River, the missionary families were 
by then a little uncomfortable with each other, and that's we'll just leave it at that. No, wait a minute. They just didn't like each other. Well, they'd been together a long time. They decided to establish separate missions. The Whitmans, of course, settled among the Cayuse Indians near Walla Walla, and on the Walla Walla River in present-day southeastern Washington, the Spaldings, guided by uh, an Indian named Cacanswatis. Oh, I think. I give you credit for that. He selected a site among the Nez Perce, about two miles above the mouth of Lapway Creek. Now, near the village of a headman and shaman named Thunder Eyes, Dakin Swatis and other Nez Perce helped the Spaldings build a log house 42 feet by 18 feet. It was divided by a partition into living quarters and a classroom for the Indians. On December of 1836, the Spaldings moved into the building. Um, in the beginning, the missionary couple had good relations with most of the Nez Perce. Uh, they counseled by their headmen. The people willingly supplied food and labor to the Spaldings. They were excited by the novelty of having white teachers living among them. And fearful that they might find uh, cause for leaving, they did everything they could to help them be comfortable. So the Indians really accepted the family. Right. They really wanted them to be there. So they did everything they could to, to get them to stay. And they were also interested in the house and the material possessions and uh, in everything the Spaldings taught them. They came in large numbers to Henry Spaldings' morning and evening prayers and Sunday services and aided by translations of a a boy named John. Now, he was a Nez Perce boy that Whitman had taken east and learned English, and Spalding used him as an interpreter. So he was an Indian boy mm-hmm. that knew English. Okay. Well, they learned to sing hymns and gospel tunes, and they followed intently Spalding's sermons and his narrations of Bible stories, which he made more graphic to them by holding up pictures that he had painted. Uh, many of the Nespers became especially attached to Mrs. Spalding. Now, picture this, Seb. She's kind of a frail woman, very gentle nature, contrasted with her husband's stern gruffness, you know, kind of opposite in personality. There's been TV shows of uh, people coming out on wagon trains, like the the husband was just really kind of a dictatorial type, yeah. and she was a wilting flower. Right, And that's kind of yeah. the way this was. Yeah. Now, she actually printed her own alphabet books to try to help the Nez Perce learn reading and writing, and she began a day school at the mission, attended principally by women and children, and get this, a few of the important older men who hoped that they would, uh, that what they learned would improve their status in the tribe. Oh. So even some of the older uh, Indians. But soon afterwards, she also organized a class of Indian girls instructing them on sewing and the chores of running uh, a white man's house. Now, Spalding, meanwhile, found favor. Didn't they take offense at that somewhat? Some of the Indians in the tribe, especially the shamans. I see. Yeah, and the medicine men, yeah. So, but anyway, uh, he found favor with a lot of the Nez Perce who came to him every day for medical treatment for all sorts of ailments. Though he really was an unskilled as a physician, he drew on his stores of calomel and other medicines and taught bloodletting to his patients, which may or may not have been a good thing. Yeah, really. (laughs) 
But often he sent Indians with medicines and instructions to patients in other villages, or he traveled to them himself, at the same time anxious to end the Nez Perce annual migrations to the plains for buffalo and keep them settled around them the full year for his religious instruction. He wanted them to hang around. So Spalding uh, uh, distributed seeds and some 30 hoes and began to teach them to plant gardens and orchards. And on May 31st, 1836, the Nez Perce had some 15 acres of peas, potatoes, garden vegetables under cultivation. And uh, they'd helped Spalding set out a nursery of apple trees. So he's trying to get them to to stick around and farm, basically. Now, despite the good start, trouble gradually developed. Spalding had difficulty learning the Nez Perce language, and his temper ran short when individuals did not understand him or failed to follow his instructions. Well, you can't blame him. They didn't understand English. He didn't understand their language. You would have thought that he would have been much more conscientious about maybe not putting his foot in his mouth. Exactly. Now, believing himself a savior to the people who had no religion and were misled by their shamans Uh whom he viewed as sorcerers he had little tolerance for the Nez Perce cultural beliefs and habits and often erupted into bursts of anger at them you just don't go into a culture and do that Zeb. Now some Nez Perce resented his hostility to some of their customs including polygamy gambling, belief in guardian spirits and singing and other practices and many took offense at the the new views of life that he tried to get them to adapt. Wait a minute, he didn't like singing? He didn't like the Indians singing? The, their singing, yeah. Their oh. chants and their singing and things like that. Huh. Well, the headman and other males objected to doing manual labor and gardening, which they regarded as women's work. Others viewed agriculture as a bad thing and a desecration of their mother, the earth. Really? Well, you think about the Indians. They they had some sacred things regarding yeah. the earth, the yeah. sun, the moon, things like that. So they ignored Spalding's efforts to get them to settle around the mission and resisted his insistence on attendance at prayer meetings and services. Now, still others found his teachings on Christian conduct and marriages and such concepts as their burden of original sin as not making sense. Ken, how many really understood English? Probably very few. Well, then so he how did everything teach? through a translator? This this young man, John, probably did a lot of yeah. translating. So he did most of the sermons. Probably, yeah. Now, some headmen and shamans were uh, angry, angered at the missionaries' attempts to discredit them and wean their followers from them. So here the, you've got these shamans and headmen that have been their leaders for years and They're years. They're jealous. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and several, including Tack and Swatis, figured out that Say that again. Tack and Swatis. One more time. Tack and Swatis. So good. Thank you. Figured that their expectations of material success and increased prestige were not being realized, and that Spaldings, unlike the American firmen on the plains, did not pay for the goods and services which the Nez Perce gave them. Uh, so they turned away from the missionaries. They didn't get paid with gifts or anything for the labor they did. I the Spaldings just expected them to, to build things and do all these things for nothing, for free. Really? Yeah. Well, the hot-tempered Spaulding retaliated with punishments, withholding goods and favors, frightening individuals and telling them they were going to go to hell and eternal damnation, and threatening to whip them. Well, when, by their silence, some headmen seemed to side with him against the offenders, he carried out the threat. 
sometimes doing the whipping himself and sometimes persuading leading men to do it. This guy had a death wish. You know, it's not good. Um, Anyway, this was not going well, as you can tell. Here were these invaders causing problems, whipping them. What were they to do? Again, here's these people that for hundreds and hundreds of years have had their traditions and their customs. And, okay, you can call them myths if you want to. But uh, And here's somebody trying to change them. Now, although such punishments contributed to a general failure of the Nez Perce initial enthusiasm for for white teachers, the original motive for wanting them and the fear of losing them continued to be so strong that many headmen and their people remained protectively loyal to the Spalding. They still wanted them to stay there. Why did the Spaldings and the Whitmans pick this particular tribe in the first place? I don't really know why they did. I, you know, uh, I think they just moved into an area. They saw the Cayuse Indians, the Whitmans did, and the Nez Perce, and the Nez Perce up uh, farther north and east. And I guess they just figured, well, this is as good a place as any. Really? So I, I can't really say why they chose those particular areas. Hmm. Yeah. Well, in November of 1837, Nez Perce women at the mission showed their affection for Mrs. Spalding when she gave birth to a baby girl whom she named Eliza. They helped Mrs. Spalding and treated both mother and daughter with care and warmth. Uh, and that really touched the missionaries. They, they were uh, impressed with this. Well, the next year, Spalding strained the relationship by using threats and the whip to force Nez Perce males to help him relocate the mission to the mouth of Lapway Creek on the site of what is now present-day Spalding and the Nez Perce National Historical Park headquarters, an area he thought to be cooler and less bothered by mosquitoes. So once again, he's forcing, uh, you know, the Nez Perce were objected to forced labor and again, resentment. Okay. Yeah. They finally helped them build a new two-story home and eventually a schoolhouse, a blacksmith shop, and two small dwellings for assistance and and for the Nez Perce school children. Now Spalding made his first converts, baptizing two leading headmen who frequented the Lapway Mission, though they came from other regions. One was a guy named Tamutsen, and he was a mild, sensitive man from a place called Alpoa on the Snake River below the Clearwater River. And Spalding renamed him Timothy. Mm-hmm. So Tamutsen was now Timothy. I see. A devout Christian. He would also be a loyal, lifelong friend of the whites. The other was Tukakis. You know, you're doing really Thank well. Thank you. I'm glad you're not looking at this, because it probably is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the other was an Indian named Tukakis, who was the leader of the Nez Perce Band in the present-day Wallowa Valley of northeastern Oregon, and Spalding named him Joseph. Uh-huh. Okay? So now you have Timothy and Joseph. Yeah. All right? <clears throat> now... In the summer of 1839, Spalding accompanied Joseph on a visit to his Oregon homeland and became convinced of his genuine interest in Christianity. Spalding also baptized the children of Timothy and Joseph, including one of Joseph's sons who was born in 1840 and whom the missionary named Ephraim. This was probably the future chief Joseph. I was just going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this I, was in 1840. Right. Okay. Yeah. The, the, when he was born. Yeah. Right. So that makes sense, you know. Yeah. 
So anyway, uh, Spalding's prob- problems, however, had not let up. Uh, mountain men who had abandoned trapping came to the Oregon Territory to seek permanent homes, and they would show up to the mission and sometimes cause problems for Spalding by taking the Indian side in their quarrels with him. But again, you know, the mountain men, they knew the Indian culture. They knew uh, what they were about. So obviously, I think it makes sense that they would side with the Indians. Now, one of them, a guy named William Craig, married a daughter of an Indian named Thunder Eyes, uh, who was a Lapway Creek shaman and headman whom Spalding called James. And he criticized Spalding's dictation to the Nez person several times aroused his father-in-law against the missionary. This doesn't bode well. No. At the same time, there was serious friction that developed among the missionaries themselves, and they directed a stream of complaining letters about each other to the mission board in Boston. The board in 1842 ordered the closing of both the Lapway and the Whitman missions. All the way back to Boston? Right, because they were... uh, kind of controlled or sent out by these... Uh, How long would first-class mail take in those days? <laughs> Probably a while. <laughs> now, so Spalding learned about the murders of the Whitmans. So uh. he found out about that. So the Spalding family evacuated down the Columbia to Oregon City, Oregon. And you, you probably know about where that is. I know right where it is. Yeah. I've been there many, many yeah, times. Yeah, Oregon City. Yep. Well, the Spaldings built a small home in the area where Eliza became the first teacher at a place called Tulatan Academy. And I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Which eventually grew into Pacific University. Now, Henry served as an academic uh, trustee for many years. In May of 1849, he relocated to Brownsville, Oregon. Hmm. Does that sound? It's It's in that area, yeah. It's in the south end of the Willamette Valley. Yeah, okay. And he established a homestead in modern North Brownsville. Well, Spalding continued missionary work with some of the native tribes in northwestern Idaho and northeastern Washington territories. So he did go back kind of up into that area and and did some missionary work. But he died in Lapway, Idaho, uh, August 3rd, 1874. The Spaldings had four children. The village of Spalding, Idaho, Idaho, located in Nez Perce County, was named, obviously, after Spalding, who taught the Nez Perce, among other things, how to use irrigation and to cultivate the potato. Now, is Spalding still there? I believe so. I was going to look that up before I came, but so I'm not sure if the town is actually... Are any of the buildings still there? And I don't know that either. But there is that uh, national park thing uh, where the, where the Spalding Mission was. I see. Uh, so there is something there. But, you know, there's quite a history of different religions uh, trying to convert the Indians. Well, let me ask you this. Was this the kind of the motivating force, if you will, of animosity of the Ness Pierce eventually 30 years later to go to war? Uh, I don't think it really was the religion as much as it was the the government trying to force them onto reservations. I see. I think that was more of a factor. Deanne, we have trouble with Festus in here. He evidently doesn't <laughs> like Dr. History. Uh, so anyway, but, but I was wondering, what was the stimulating force for Chief Joseph and the rest of yeah, the Nez Pierce to all of a sudden I, say that's it? I think that was the forcing of them wanting to force them onto reservations. I see. But again, if you if you think about the religion coming into North America, you're starting with, you know, the conquistadors. 
you know, they wanted, uh, the Spanish wanted to convert them all to Catholicism. And then all along the western coast, you have the Franciscan monks that established missions, like the Santa Barbara Mission, uh, oh gosh, all those missions along there. There's, I think, 15 or 17 missions uh, along the western coast. Oh, yeah. And if you've ever been over there, uh, some of those missions are uh, pretty fascinating to stop They in. are. I've been to quite a few. Wouldn't it have been interesting in history if there could have been some hindsight and like Spalding and uh, uh, Whitman, if they'd have changed their attitudes? Right. Think of how much positive there could have been. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it, their initial goal, I think, was a good goal. What but, happened to old man Spalding, though? Did he Well, die? he died. Yeah. Yeah, he died in, eight, what did I tell you? Uh, 1874. In 1874. Yeah, Wasn't that about the same time, though, as the Nespierce War started? That would have been about right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but like I say, he was buried up there in Spalding, Idaho, uh, Nez Perce County. I see. And he had four children that uh, I'm going to guess there's got to be ancestors even today. There, I was going to ask you, up in that area. That's one thing I'd like to pursue on this program. I would love to get uh, ancestors from these oh. famous people. Because sure, I would think they have journals, diaries, oh, or absolutely. something that they could really have an interesting story for us. Absolutely. Yeah. Great story. And again, congratulations on your selection. Well, I was amazed as anything to be invited to this History Camp America 2021, and I'm excited. And actually, when I do my presentation, I've already recorded it, and so it's already with them. But uh, the last 10 minutes of the presentation will be a question and answer period. So I will be online uh, there live. And so I guess if people want to ask questions uh, at that point, they can ask me questions. And I can kind of do like I do with you, Zeb. I can say... I don't know. <laughs> no, but I think it's you such know. an honor and uh, kind of opens up new fields of opportunity for you. It does, and I, yeah. I appreciate the. I, I feel, I feel really blessed that uh, that I can promote history just, in America. Just think how big your entourage is now, as compared to how big it's going to be. They won't be able to to park the limousines. I know out here. that limousine out there just barely fits on one side of my driveway. <laughs> Holy cow! I'm impressed. I really my, am. mine is a cowboy limousine, Zeb. <laughs> I know that. Listen, I wish you the best, and I hope you and your family are you going to be here next Tuesday. I'll be here next Tuesday. Okay. Yes. Yep. I hope you and your family have a very blessed Independence Day. You too, Zeb. Thank you. We're looking forward to it. Thank you very much, Dr. History.